Welcome to Behind the Menu. This episode is quite unique as I interview my current coworkers. When I moved to Indianapolis a few months ago, I really wanted to find a place to work where I knew I respected their product and their craft, and it just so happened that Coat Check Coffee was hiring a few weeks after we had moved in. Coat Check and their companion shop provider were always on my must-go-to list anytime we visited Indianapolis in the past. I've just come to love their menu and even more now that I work there. In this episode, I talk about how well thought out that menu is and how they do it. I can't wait for you to hear more from Jess Flores and Jess Marfle, the bakers and recipe developers for Coat Check Coffee. So you guys are both named Jess or Jessica. So how would you like (laughs) for me to refer to you guys um, each during this interview? You are more than welcome to call me Marvel if you want. Okay, cool. <laughs> I know that's why everybody calls you at work, but... Yeah, uh, that's totally okay. fine. And then Jess, would you like to be Jess or Jessica? Um, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm used to the last name deal as well, or just Jess, since I know you won't be talking to Marvel, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So this is kind of a special interview because I currently work with both of you, but you are the bakers and kind of recipe developers for Coat Check Coffee. So my very first question, and either one of you can answer, is where is Coat Check? And it's in a really cool building. So if you can also kind of explain the building that it's in. Yeah, um, Coat Check is uh, in uh, around the Mass Ave area in downtown Indianapolis, or kind of like on the outskirts. And it is in the Anthenaeum building, which is a, a old German building uh, that was, uh, I just looked this up earlier, that was uh, completed in the 1890s. Um, <laughs> and was uh, designed actually by Kurt Vonnegut's grandfather. Um, oh. But we are we are in the literally the old coat check from the uh, the theater there. Yeah, so, and it is. Yeah. It's not the tiniest place that I've ever worked in, but it's definitely like if you think back in old time movies when people like had actual coat checks, like it's a pretty tiny little kitchen. But you guys have organized it very well, and everything like has its place. <laughs> um, cool. So. Can you kind of tell me the history of Coat Check and how it got started, other than that it's now in an old building's Coat Check? Um, yeah, so Neil and Paul Warner are two brothers, and Neil has had quite a bit of coffee background um, across in a few different cities outside of Indy, and as well as much experience in so many other things he's like farmed and brewed beer <laughs> what hasn't he done <laughs> yeah really and um he they're originally from um richmond and they just really wanted to bring something back to their home area and make like a community environment um with something that they were really passionate about and his brother paul and him had been wanting to work together in some capacity and so they thought no better way than doing a coffee shop. And um, so from that kind of came Coat Check. Um, I'm not 100% sure. Maybe Marvel knows better um, how they like landed specifically in the Coat Check uh, spot. I don't recall that story. I They told me at one point, but I totally forget. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a little while. Yeah, I've heard as well. 
Um, I think it's just one of those right place, right time. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And just it kind of all lined up that way. It's such a unique spot. How long have they been in there? Or how long have we been in there since I'm a part of you guys now? (laughs) Yeah, just over two years. So not very long at all. And they're definitely what I've noticed about Indianapolis is there are not a lot of like craft coffee shops and then but there are more that are coming that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I've noticed is um, there's not a lot of coffee shops that also have like well-crafted, like like a pastry program, I guess what I'm saying. Um, but they seemed like they were kind of like the leading people like within the coffee scene outside of the roasters within Indianapolis. So is that, would you guys agree with that? Or is that just like my assumption from what I'm like taking in in the past few months that I've been here? I would agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, so another one of the questions that I had, um, so I didn't grow up in Indianapolis, but I grew up in the, the state of Indiana, but Indianapolis is just such a foreign place to me. So if you guys could just spend some time, each of you. First, are you from here? You can tell me where you're from. And then how long have you been in Indianapolis? And then kind of what you feel the character of Indianapolis is. Jess, you can go ahead and start with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry, that was kind of like a lengthy question. Um, well, I am originally from Ohio, actually. Um, but I have been in Indianapolis for about eight years now. Um, after I finished college, I decided to come here. It made more sense in a transition than going back to Ohio. And I would say India is just a small, big city that <laughs> is growing pretty rapidly as of the past couple of years. Um, it seemed pretty slow when I first got here, but there's been a lot of growth just in the food industry and entertainment and just so much more happening and more people in the city wanting to stay and making it grow opposed to just going off to Chicago or another big city that's close by. Yeah. And Marvel, where are you from? Yes. Um, I'm originally from South Bend, Indiana, um, that's like super that's... north. That's like really north, right? It is. It's all the way. Yeah, it's all the way <laughs> up there. After you go past South Bend, it's pretty much you're into Michigan. So um, just kind of like an hour and a half outside of uh, Chicago. But yeah, I grew up there and, um, you know, went to school in Muncie and um, lived in Indy um, after uh, college for about three years and then moved to California for five and then came back to Indianapolis. So I think I've probably been here a total of maybe like 10 years if, if you all split up and stuff like that but um yeah I literally have the same thing <laughs> as Jess said pretty much um I'm just a small big city exactly um but I think especially after leaving and coming back um I you know at first I thought I wanted to get out of Indy um but after coming back I really realized it's not that bad and it's it's definitely growing like Jess said um I think we're definitely carving out some really unique areas um, like Fountain Square and, uh, you know, Irvington's growing. And I think um, Indianapolis is surprisingly diverse. I think people probably are like, oh, Indianapolis, like, where is that? I really, you know, I don't expect much from it. But I think there's a lot going on here. Um, We really like food. (laughs) 
(laughs) there's just there's just a lot of good restaurants and again as Jess said it's just growing and the options are expanding and I think it's a a really great place and it's also a very affordable place to live um, as of right now yeah it could be be changing (laughs) yeah that's how always when cities start growing and through the growth yeah so that's kind of like what I've observed a little bit as well um in the few months that I've been here and I do feel like Neil and Paul and Kocheck and then they have another location provider that are they're just like part of that like culture that is happening within Indianapolis. Um, So I do want to talk more about like your guys' background, but can you tell me some of the items that are on CoatCheck and Provider's menu? And I guess if you want to spend a little bit of time just talking more about Provider, since I just said like it's a second location, but we do a lot for them too. Yeah. um, So... Sorry, I should probably oh, like, no. direct the question. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, so th- m- mostly our menus for both locations are pastry-wise made up of laminated doughs. It was very important to Neil and Paul to do a really good croissant. And so everything kind of has stemmed from there when it comes pastry-wise. And we've branched out doing macarons. Marvel's very talented in that area. Um, And we do frittatas and cookies and muffins for both locations. Um, Provider has a little bit more expansive of a menu. They have some sandwiches and biscuit sandwiches that are available, as well as a full cocktail menu in addition to the coffee menu that you can find at Coat Check. What are each one of yours? Jess, we'll start with you first. What are your favorite menu items on the menu, obviously, uh, of food and of coffee? Well, hmm, I'm trying. Coffee's easy. I like black coffee, (laughs) black filtered coffee. Um, We make amazing lattes and they're great. I just don't really drink that much sweetness. Um, but I'd, I'd stick with the black coffee and as far as pastries, I'm always super excited for the different Mac flavors that just Marvel does. <laughs> and then I, I've lo- I have such a love hate relationship with croissants because they're so <laughs> temperamental, but mm. when they turn out, they're so great. So Yeah, but it's, like, majority of your day is spending, like, just laminating dough just over on top of that table, just rolling out dough. So I can understand (laughs) how you hate them, but, yeah, when you, like, get it right, you get it right. (laughs) Right. So I I love when we do just some some of our, like, one-off seasonal flavors or one of us is really inspired and really wants to tackle, like, a Queen Amon or a Morning Bun or um, just even some Pana Raisin. Um, just they they just transport me back to like France and just different periods of travel and um, so just really I I don't know I know it's not a direct yeah of one but the I do appreciate all the croissants <laughs> <laughs> yeah Marvel do you have a favorite one mm-hmm. um 
Yeah, well, uh, when it comes to coffee, I I tend to always order the flat white. Um, I don't do as well with just straight black coffee. I feel like I have a sensitive stomach. So um, <laughs> I tend to, I like, I'll go for a flat white. But if I'm going to go, if I'm wanting something sweet, I really love our... Um, Oh my God. I love them all. I don't know. It's, I'm, it's tough between the ginger latte and the pistachio latte. They're just so both unique and full of flavor. I feel like sometimes when you go to a cafe and you order something like similar, like a ginger latte or a, I don't know, something similar that the flavor is there, but just barely. And I think we really like pack a punch with our flavors. Like the ginger has like such great spice to it and um, just so much depth. So i I'm kind of torn between those two. Um, when it comes to pastries, I don't. I like, um, like as Jess mentioned, when we get to kind of do a one-off thing and experiment more with flavors. Um, I really, it's kind of a staple, but not really. I imagine we'll be bringing it back soon. But we do a baklava croissant, um, mm-hmm. and I just, I love those flavors, um, the the cardamom and pistachio and all that stuff. But um, I think that's probably one of my favorites that we've that we've come up with. I haven't tried that one yet. Okay, so my favorite. So I can also answer these questions. Okay, so for the longest time, it was pistachio, the lemon rose. They, like, have, like, a spritz of lemon rose that they put on top, and it's so delicious. Um, And then I just really, really, really like the meat and cheese one. Um, It's prosciutto and dill and gruyere. And I don't think I've ever, like, seen that, like, combination. I've always seen, like, ham and thyme on croissants. And so I'm not, like, usually, like, a huge dill fan, but some reason that croissant I'm like yes that is my croissant <laughs> but I'm also with you, you Jess when I'm like I also like just switching things up because I mean we're there and so I just want I don't want to eat the same thing all the time or drink the same thing right. and so yeah exactly <laughs> there is one barista who I ordered a chocolate latte one time and I now he makes me a chocolate latte every single time and it's so sweet <laughs> but at the same time I'm like maybe I want something different hopefully he doesn't <laughs> I want everybody else to listen to this, but hopefully he doesn't listen to this now. <laughs> um, okay, so I do want to talk. so well by it. I know. It's so sweet, too. Mm-hmm. But maybe after this, he'll ask me if he does listen to it. <laughs> or maybe I should just tell him when he gets there. I just don't think about it because I'm, like, I'm obviously working. But then he brings it over to me and I'm like, mm, coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so I do want to talk more about how um, you guys do those, like, one-off flavors and how you kind of come up with it and your favorite flavor combinations. But before we get to that part, um, I want to hear more about you guys and kind of maybe, like, how you got to Kochek, but more how did you get into this the passion of baking? Because I feel like a lot of people, they do... Of course, some people have like do this job to do this job, but I feel like if you're the one creating flavors and putting them together, there's at least, like, some passion there for this industry and so I guess Marvel do you want to start kind of like how you got into baking and your love for it or maybe you hate it I don't know (laughs) I hate this I just do it for the money I feel like my story is probably similar to a lot of other people's who you know didn't necessarily go to pastry school but I this is going to sound probably very redundant, but I grew up baking with my mom. Um, so I grew up baking with my mom, just doing really simple stuff, just sugar cookies, chocolate chip cookies. We do some, you know, like Polish kolachki. Um, and I also grew up ba- or, um, sorry, cooking with my dad. So just being in the kitchen with my parents in general, I think um, 
even though we were doing maybe simple stuff, it still instilled a love of, of cooking and baking for me. Um, and, uh, my grandma, my grandma, Helen was a master pie baker. Um, and by that, I mean, she would bake 10 to 12 pies a day and take them to her local church or her friends. And she actually passed away just this, um, past October, but she has a, a picture of like a pie on her gravestone because she was just known as the pie lady. So I think family really instilled that love of baking for me. Um, I did uh, start off um, actually as a wedding photographer was my first kind of professional career. And it was, while I loved it, it was very stressful and um, kind of seeing the wedding cakes there and all the pastries and stuff um, made me kind of want to go back to that and like a simpler type of job where I could focus on um, what I really love to do. That's being in the kitchen. So I think that's kind of where it all started. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I mean, I know a lot of people say family and that's, I think that's like a great answer, but that's a very sweet story. Do you, what, did you say this? What kind of pies did your grandma make? Or was it just like all pies? <laughs> it was like all pies, but she would get on kicks. It was like her and her sisters, they would all pick like an ingredient that they wanted to shove into every dessert they were making. And I think for my grandma, Helen, it was pineapple. So she would try to stick pineapple in every single pie. So it'd be, it would be like blueberry pineapple or apple pineapple or whatever pineapple. <laughs> but um, it was, it was pretty much everything. I think in my family, um, we all just really appreciated her apple pie it was more of like a slab apple pie. And she's the only one I know that does an oil crust, um, which is something I don't do. I'm an all butter crust girl, but she managed to keep it nice and flaky. So, <laughs> Oh, oil. Like what do you mean? Yes. Like, like it, it was like Crisco or like, like, like liquid oil. Like she used like, it was like a vegetable oil. crust. Really? <laughs> I don't know. It was really good. I don't know how to describe it or explain it, but it just worked. Oh, so, was it apple pineapple or just apple? <laughs> the apple for us was just apple, like straight up apple. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Not and then how, how did you get to Coat Check? I, well, let's see. I, I started off baking actually for the Flying Cupcake, which is a local cupcake shop. Um, and then I moved to California and worked there at a bakery called Sweet and Saucy Shop. Uh, where I mostly made French macarons. And then we moved back to Indy. And my manager, previously from the Flying Cupcake, whose name is Gigi, she's a very, very sweet lady. I love her dearly. She reached out to me, um, I believe her, and she was working with Jess um, Flores at Open Society. And they were looking for another baker. And I think she knew that I had moved back into town. And she just hit me up through a text message. And that's how I made my way back into baking in Indy. Um, after things went a little south at Open Society, um, Neil Warner uh, had messaged me talking about that they were planning on opening a cafe, and I met over there with them before it had really even started just to do a little bit of like consulting with the layout of the place. And after a few months of them being open, I think they outgrew <laughs> um, Paul being the only baker, and um, that's when I started over there. Awesome. Jess, how did you get into baking? Um, a very somewhat similar story with the <laughs> family background. Um, uh, I just remember growing up and being at my grandma's house in the kitchen all the time with her, whether that be baking 
for the holidays or just spending the weekend over there and making something for breakfast. And so that really started my passion in the kitchen. And then I went off to business school and it was very boring. (laughs) And I started baking again in my free time at school and would just make whatever I could for friends for birthdays or for get togethers or little family meals that we would do. And it was always just kind of a hobby for me. And then I worked at for a coffee company here in town for about five years, managing some cafes. And I started really considering baking full time and started baking for friends and families for weddings and just kind of word of mouth spread that way. And I started taking on a few more pe- like clients in my spare time. And then um, we, in Indy, there used to be these events called Chef's Night Off. And just through some networking, I found out of a new restaurant that was opening that needed a baker and things lined up there. So I decided to transition from management and cafes to baking and go to the back of house and just really enjoyed what I was doing there and the people that I was working with um, and just really started running with the professional baking. I, it sounds kind of silly to say it now, but when I started at Open Society, it was kind of my trial run personally for if I was going to sink or swim in needing culinary school. Um, I had debated going back to school when I wanted to make the transition to baking, but as we're all familiar, the price tag on that is Mm -hmm. a little (laughs) hefty, so I was just like, well, I'm going to give this a try and see what happens, and if I need to take some classes, I will, and fortunately, I had some awesome people around me that were really helpful helpful and, like, great mentors, and um, I haven't gone to culinary school so I think I'm doing okay yeah um, as Marvel said uh, uh, open society kind of went a little south and we they were looking for another baker over at coat check not too long after Marvel started over there just realizing how quickly things were growing for them so I made the switch over and started working with Marvel again and rolling out croissants and it's kind of where I'm at now. And you do, you do something that I feel like I will never have a passion for, but I'm thankful that you do is you like making any item vegan. Yes. (laughs) And that's (laughs) that's definitely a challenge. What, uh, do you have favorite products? I know that we've like, you've tested a few, Um, Do you have favorite, like, vegan products, like, substitutes that you would recommend to people that would be starting out in their vegan world of baking? Yeah. So, there's so many things out there now. Just even thinking from, like, when I first started, like, how hard it was to find, like, a thing of earth balance anywhere. And now there's, like, (laughs) so many kinds of alternative butters out there. But... Miyoko's makes an amazing European style cultured vegan butter and just even for cooking at home even browns and does all the things that real butter does and it holds up in a vegan croissant and 
I never thought I'd be able to like master that, but I have been able to create a croissant recipe that is vegan and it's from that butter. And yeah. There's a newer butter that we just started testing out that's made that's aquafaba based that's been really good. It has no palm oil, so I really like that. Um for flavor purposes, uh, it holds up really well in like cookies and other easier quick bakes. And as far as like egg substitutes or milk substitutes go, I personally really like oat or cashew milk. I just think they're creamier and they don't overpower with flavor to like take away from whatever pastry you're making. And as far as egg substitutes go, it really just depends on what you're trying to make. I try to keep things as simple as possible. So if it's muffins, I'll just use applesauce or even bananas and do it that way. Uh, There's a method with flaxseed that you can do that makes a really good fake egg. There's, I know there's some fake eggs that the Just Company makes and somebody else, but I've not actually messed with those too much because the flax and the, fruit options work so well for me yeah Mm. yeah just a wealth of knowledge in vegan (laughs) items I feel like if anybody ever would (laughs) if anybody they should go to you (laughs) this is me saying if anybody ever has a vegan question (laughs) don't ever ask me because I have I really I know that it's like a dietary restriction for a lot of people and that it is a wonderful thing to have, but it's just like not a passion of mine at all. But that's why I'm so thankful that other people do have it. Um, And then Marvel, um, I know that we've already kind of mentioned a couple of times, but you do a lot of macarons and you do them on the weekends um, at Cocheca and you always do some really fancy flavors and they're just always so beautiful. And I have had quite a relationship with macarons so I guess I would say what um would you suggest to somebody who is like wanting to make macarons because I've honestly seen some of my friends who like don't even bake at all and they're just like I'm gonna make macarons and I'm like if you accomplish this with one try I am probably going to like throw eggs at your house because I would be so frustrated because they are, they're just like even hand laminating croissant dough or just hand lamination in general is really difficult. But so are macarons. They're really difficult. So I guess what advice would you give to somebody that wants to do macarons? Yeah, um, they're, it's funny because like the ingredients are so simple. It's just egg whites and powdered sugar and granulated sugar and almond flour. It's It seems so simple. Um, and it really is. It's just, I feel like it's something that takes a lot of practice. I The first time I made them was out in California. We just moved there, and I didn't know what they were. <laughs> and I had one at a pastry shop, and I was like, oh, what is this? I want to make this. And I looked up a recipe, I think, by, like, David Leibowitz, and they came out, but they were totally hollow and crunchy, and I didn't <laughs> even know that I made them wrong. I was like, this is great. I did it. <laughs> um, but after that, I had a few more successful tries, and then I had a bunch of failures. So – it really, I think it's just getting down a rhythm and make, uh, doing a bunch of trial and errors. I think there's a there's quite a few online troubleshooting sheets, and it's it can be a bit frustrating because you know it may be something that's something that's going wrong. Like I don't know how I want to say this. 
there's just there's just so many things that could go wrong and so many variables that you have to really check off each one as you go along and just make changes as you go and keep notes on what you're doing. But once you get it down, um, it, it, they're pretty simple. And I think knowing your oven, um, having like a freestanding thermometer in there and really, really knowing what temperature it is, um, it's going to depend like I had a lot of trouble actually baking them where I worked in California. Our ovens were all over the place, and I've had much better luck at Coat Check um, with our uh, with our convection oven there. So there's always just there's always just little variables that you're going to need to tweak. But I would say just really stick with practicing it. It might take you five times, ten times, twenty times to get it down, but. Um, it's just it's just kind of mastering the process um, of, a, of a very actually quite simple simple cookie. <laughs> I know, yeah, like you said, they're just simple ingredients, but it is it's all like technical. And two, I would I would add that even if you've got it like once or twice, like they're definitely like a cookie that will keep you humble. Like even if you've made them yeah. correct like once or twice, like exactly. there's, there's definitely I feel like that's there's probably more items like like baked goods that are like that where. It, they just like all keep you humble. Actually, I feel like being in this industry can keep you <laughs> keep you humble for sure. Absolutely. Yes, one hundred percent. What do you guys like um, about working at CoCheck? Us, um, I I really love the people we work with. Um, it's just such a friendly environment and I think we have a lot of creative freedom um everyone's very supportive uh it's mostly a drama free uh work environment which I feel like in the restaurant industry can be can be an issue um I don't know everyone's so encouraging and oh yeah well up until recently dogs could come into coat check and that was a great thing <laughs> we, we love all the dogs that can come in. I know I saw that sign today yeah. <laughs> no more dogs. Really no more dogs sad. in the building. It's really sad. <laughs> so sad. I think that's I funny. That that's one of your responses of where you work is that dog dogs I come think in. that <laughs> Jess Flores would agree. Dogs make the day one hundred times better and just seeing a cute little fluffy pup come in or, you know, cute little big head pit bulls peeking their nose in is so great. <laughs> yeah. Dogs are dogs are cute. Well, no, well, and then the way that where we are located, where we bake at, is like upstairs. So it's not like you can like look out a window and like see a dog like walking down a street either. So maybe we'll just have to like print off pictures and everybody like print like bring a picture of a dog, a, a rotating dog board, a print, yes. like a, a dog breed board. That's a really good idea. And then we can name it <laughs> the dog of the week or something. Yes. I'll bring, I'll bring one tomorrow. <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. Uh, <laughs> Um, Jess, what do you like about working at Coach? You probably have a similar answer. Yeah, I'm definitely echoing Marvel's staff. Like, everyone is so talented, and just like the minds of everyone are so specific, but so creative. And it just is such a positive atmosphere to work in. And then just the community that supports like Coach and Provider are really awesome as well. We've been very fortunate to work with some really cool vendors and other people Mm -hmm. in the city. And it's just, it keeps work fun. And yeah, it's a a really positive atmosphere to be working in. And just not realizing that that was an option for work sometimes. Yeah. It's been really nice having that. 
One of the things that I noticed like right off the bat is that everybody helps do dishes. And I'm saying that because that is a very unique thing that I've like never had to like be like, hey, can you help do dishes or anything like that? anything like that and maybe you guys do maybe you go up and ask and you're like hey can you wash a couple of dishes but for the most part everybody just comes like if they bring back a dish they just like blow the dishwasher and I'm just like amazed <laughs> at that and I'm like thank goodness like this is how every workplace should be but yeah that's like one of the things that I noticed like right away is that everybody seems to be pretty much a team player and like you both said that's not like that's kind of like an uncommon thing which is really sad that this is like food is such like a relational and it connects a lot of people and that our work should be that as well as long as we're all in it and it seems like you I think you guys said too is that a lot of people are passionate that work at CoCheck and Provider about what they're doing like everyone is trying to like hone in a craft that they're that they're working on and so I think that that's something like building off of each other and talking to each other too um, about like what you're doing or what you want to create I think that's helpful. Um, So what, like you guys said, there are a lot of staple items, but there are the one-offs. So how do you guys come up with the one-off items? Sorry, I should ask. I keep forgetting. Like, I should ask you your name. So, Marvel, you do a lot of the macaron flavors. And like I said, there are just crazy flavors sometimes. I think one morning I came in and you had created a mango lassi. Is that what it was that you made? Yes. Yeah, it was like, I like found one that was like, just a little bit cracked. There was like only one. And it was like, (laughs) I was like, I'm gonna try this flavor. And it was just so I had never heard of a macaron be that flavor or somebody even creating that flavor together. So how, where in your brain do you come up with making a mango lassi macaron? Uh, I don't really know. Um, (laughs) I think I just like to take desserts and food items that I like that aren't necessarily in macaron form and (laughs) turn them into a macaron. Um, I had never attempted that one before. I kind of just messed around with, um, it seemed like making a yogurt pastry cream would work and it it did, but I was also ready for it not to work. So (laughs) um, I always try to have like a backup, uh, tub of salted caramel in the fridge just in case (laughs) I need something to go to because that's a classic that everyone seems to like but um yeah like I said I think yeah taking other desserts and turning them into macarons or um just something that's maybe seasonal or a flavor I haven't used in a while and um adding to that or um maybe picking a a particular flavor and then um consulting with the flavor bible book and going off of there and kind of combining different flavors. But that's that's pretty much it. Sometimes I don't know what I'm doing until about 20 minutes before I go to make them. So. In all honesty. Yes, really. I Yeah. <laughs> I'm a procrastinator. So um, that's, 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 I work well under, under last minute pressure. So <laughs> that's good to know as someone who works with you now. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Jess, how do you come up with flavors for different of the one off items? A lot of it comes from just different seasons, just whatever might be available from the local farms at the moment or seeing somebody else do something. Yeah. (laughs) And just being like, oh, I could do that, but like this. And Mm -hmm. just even, I think I was telling you earlier this morning, 
listening to Brooke from Texas putting herbs in her morning bun. I was like, why have we not done that? That makes <laughs> so much sense and sounds amazing. And so things like that will inspire me or just even hearing of a classic from some obscure country and just being like, all right, well, let's try making that and see what happens. It's, I, I find those challenges kind of fun as well. So, yeah. Um, is there a pastry that you guys have not made or you've made once or twice that you feel like you haven't quite um, accomplished the way that you would want to, that you would want to try again or that you personally want to do, whether it be on the menu or not at Coat Check, but just something on a personal level, something that you guys want to accomplish, a pastry? Jess, if you want to answer first. Uh, one thing for the menu specifically, I would like to be able to add regularly our vegan croissants, um, just because I was so shocked on how they actually turned out as croissants and not just an odd bread rolled up to look like a croissant. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would love to be able to offer that just that's nowhere in the city right now. So to be able to do that and regularly first would be awesome. And personally, I would really like to perfect Max right along with Marvel. I've only been able to try a handful of times. Um, up until recently, it was just Marvel and I. So uh, things were pretty tight uh, with extra time to play around. So hopefully now that we have you and other helpful people on, uh, I can help start helping her out more with that. So that would be really cool. Yeah. Marvel, do you have a pastry that's not a macaron or a biscuit? I know you have a love for the biscuit that go check <laughs> our provider. Maybe you don't. Maybe do you not have a love for them and that you're just like, I remember whenever you like showed me, there was like one girl, I haven't seen her since, but she, there was like one girl. She was like, every time I see her, she's always making biscuits. <laughs> So maybe you're just always making them. Oh, yeah. I thought you were being sarcastic about the love of biscuits. <laughs> okay, so you hate them. No, I don't. I don't hate them, but it's just one of those things. You make it and you get it down. And, then, and you're just making it over and over and yeah, over. Yeah, for me, it's just uh, it's just repetitive. So I, yeah. I'm i a little uh, I'm a little ADD. So I'm once I get something down, I'm kind of ready to move, <laughs> move on yeah. to something else. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I wouldn't mind like messing around more with the biscuits. There's, you know, we just do a really simple like honey biscuit. We could add more flavors into that. Um, you know, there's a million gajillion things you could. Yeah. I was just reading about like infusing, you know, butter with coffee using the sous vide and working that into a biscuit. I don't know if that would work or taste good, but I would definitely be willing to try something like that. Um, we, Jess and I all have also been working on doing like a cantalet or, um, Queen Amon, which other people do in the city, but it's just something that we haven't really had time to do. I think we have a pretty, uh, decent, uh, recipe for both of them, but I think once we are able to expand and have a little bit more space, that's something that we'd like to add onto the menu. And I just, I'm really interested in looking up just different just different um, pastries from different cultures that I, I don't even know exist <laughs> exist yet. Just, I think, offering something maybe that you can't get anywhere else would be would be exciting, whatever that may be. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and that's what people, I feel like, 
guests or customers that's like what they find they're like this person's doing this and maybe that's also the culture that we're in too is that they're like this person is doing it so you guys need to do something different but also I don't think that there's a problem if there's like just a street of like coffee shops and like you can just have your pick of it yeah it's a good thing it's yeah a good thing. so um sous vide coffee butter sounds yeah. delicious <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that it sounds silly at all. I think it sounds delicious. I I have a sous vide, so if you guys don't, I can bring it in one day and you can test it out. (laughs) Um, So what are your, like, favorite – do you guys each have, like, a favorite, like, flavor combination? Because I feel like I'm always putting cardamom in everything or brown butter. If I make Mm. something at home, I'm like, how can I put brown butter in this? Or should I put cardamom in this? Should I, like, add another, like, (laughs) level of flavor? So do you guys have, like, that one, like, herb or spice or – ingredient that you just always are like how can I incorporate this like what if I put this in here Marvel do you have one of those um brown butter and cardamom yeah <laughs> um I'm I, glad I, to know I, that I, other I, people love it yeah I'm not very original I don't know I just I those I love those things uh Flores would probably tell you that I'll put orange zest in anything um <laughs> we I think I think we always are trying to sneak bourbon into something at work um I just I I guess I'm a fan I'm really a fan of Meyer lemons I just I love the tart and uh floral nature to them um I I love herbs too I again I'm not gonna be very original here basil thyme Meyer lemon um just salt and butter um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pistachio, pistachios, cardamom. That's those are pretty my pretty much my go tos or my loves of flavors. At least right now they are. Um, if you would ask me when I was ten years old, I would say chocolate. But I think I've <laughs> I've come I've come a little way from there, and I tend to uh, lean more towards fruit and floral floral stuff at the yeah. moment. Mm, yeah, that's interesting to know. Yes. Um, yes. Can you explain the difference to people who may not know the difference between a lemon and a Meyer lemon? <laughs> It is a Asian fruit. I do not know the exact history of what it's a cross between. I think it's like a citron and something else. But to me, it's it's a cross between an orange and a lemon. So it, it does have the tartness, but it ha- it's a little bit more sweet in nature. And the aroma of the zest is just very floral, almost like an orange blossom or a lemon blossom flower. So it's just a more delicate lemon is, is how I can explain it. But I'm probably butchering the, the actual explanation. Or no, I mean, that sounds like a great explanation of it. And it also, it's like, makes me, the way you described it is like, I need to go get a Meyer lemon like right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jess, do you have um, favorite flavor combinations that you like to put together? Um... Here, I was waiting for Marvel to say orange zest because he does love it. So. That's an infant joke between you two. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big thing. But from her, I definitely have uh, branched out in putting citrus and more things I probably would not have previously. So I am thankful for, for that passion of hers. Um, but definitely booze. I love putting booze in anything if I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love throwing herbs in. Um, I like more of like the savory herbs. I am not the biggest on florals, so I tend to stick with like the thyme and rosemary world and just like balancing that out with something sweet. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably like this sweet and herb world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting, and I'm, I'm thankful that you guys both have like kind of different palettes and that you also like, I don't know, it's just it means a lot to me when like people can like 
expand their palettes while working with like have an o- an open palette that sounds so weird but like to have an open palette yeah. to other people and to grow their own too and I know um just like you said that you've traveled a lot um and I know that you're getting ready to go to London um this month too and so what things have you like you've done classes there and we've talked about them before but what do you think that you've taken from those classes in other countries that not that you would necessarily have to bring them back and put them into your daily work, or maybe you have, but I guess just what are some of the things that you've learned that from other countries taking those classes? Well, I've only taken one class. I took a croissant class while I was in France, and it was very informative at the same time as reassuring and made me realize that I had a better grasp on croissants than I realized I did. Um, I also had the chef that was working with me tell me that we were crazy for how much we hand laminated. Yeah. (laughs) So that made me feel like kind of good, but also just like no one needs to be doing that apparently. (laughs) um, So it just really just... We did everything old world was the way they taught there. So we didn't use mixers or anything. And we did hand laminate through this class. So it was very humbling for some because they had only ever used machinery. So I think it really just puts things in perspective on when you judge yourself on like how you're baking against how other things are done. Because when just even walking around in France, there's croissants everywhere mm-hmm. and finding out that the majority of them are actually now made on machines there and only certain places still make them by hand was really fascinating. And just, I felt like elevated what we do at Coat Check. And that made me really happy that we're taking the time to put that kind of passion into our pastries. And Outside of that, like, the class, I wouldn't say came back with me in much more than that level of just appreciation for the time that we take on them. Mm -hmm. But just travels in general and food, I think, just speaks across the world. Like, I mean, everywhere, everyone has, like, a signature something, but it brings everyone together and it just opens up it's opened up my palate so much more. Um, I, there's been so many things that I never thought I would try that I have and that I continue to try, even if I think I don't or won't like it just for the sense of that growing palate that, you know, as just made the comment, like, you know, little her would have wanted chocolate on everything (laughs) and same here, but, you know, getting those exciting new mixtures of spices and herbs and florals and stuff in different countries and seeing how everyone else uses it and how everyone else's seasonality is different has been really great just like learning all of that really yeah that's awesome and one of the things that you said and I'm glad that uh, you said it in this interview too is that the person who was like teaching your class or something they like told you like how crazy you were for the amount that you guys hand laminated and so I think that kind of goes into one of the other questions that I had is what do you think guests of coat check and provider may not know about the pastries and I feel like you probably have like a list of some of the things but I feel like that's like one of them is that 
probably a lot of people don't understand like the amount of time and effort put into a pastry. And like you said, like it's machines a lot of people are using, but we're using like our hands and our wrists are like getting carpal tunnel sometimes probably from it. (laughs) But I mean, would you guys agree or if you want to add to the list of like things that people don't quite understand about what we're doing behind the scenes? Yeah, no, I I definitely agree. I think um, I think people just don't realize how the amount of time it takes um, for us, um, for everyone there who's making croissants. You know, it's like a for us, it's like a three day process, and uh, people come up and they're like, "I don't understand. Why can't you just make more? Just mix them <laughs> up real quick." Right. Um, and it, it's uh, it's it's a long process. It's um, and 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 on top of it, we're doing it um, but all by hand and. Um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, we can't just, we can't just whip them out, out of, out of, uh, out of thin air. So, and we're, we, you know, we have a very, we have a, a small amount of space and, um, just time constraints. And, you know, we, we provide to provider plus us, um, soon to maybe be another, uh, another spot. So yeah, just, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, I don't know. I'm sure Jess would agree. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm. There's been so many times I've overheard customers just being like, "Well, why aren't there more croissants? Or why can't you just make more?" And it's it's hard because you want to give the guests like their full experience and make yeah. sure you have what they want at any time that they come in. Yeah. But knowing that it takes three days to make you know, these croissants that we're putting out, it, it's hard to fulfill those. And so there has to be a balance. And with that, um, just like people not understanding that. And I think that goes across the board for everything that we put out in Mm -hmm. our shops. (laughs) Like we make all of our reductions in house. Like we, we don't take shortcuts. Like, um, yeah, we we just want to make sure that we're putting quality out. So it sometimes if that means that we can't put it out, like unfortunately that is where we are at. Um so that that does get disheartening, but I definitely say that is something that guests don't realize when they come in sometimes. Our regulars definitely know, but the newbies that just yeah. found us on Yelp are like, What? Why don't they yeah. have this? <laughs> yeah, and I think too, I think that um hopefully people will realize like they'll appreciate it more like if something is sold out like hopefully they would like make a return of like oh it must be really good like first of all it's sold out so obviously it's good but then at the same time like under once they understand like this takes time it takes effort and I don't know if like you said but it's a for croissants like the way that Kochek does it is it it's a three-day process and so you know that it's going to be good because of the amount of time that was put into it each day, each step of the way. And so, yeah, I hope that they get to try it. And I hope that they get to try one of my favorite ones. (laughs) Um, One of the other questions that I wrote down um, is who are some of the people in your professional career that have made a serious impact in your life? And you don't have to necessarily name them by name and it could be positive or negative. Um, but I know that there's always like, especially once we kind of have like, not that we're ever going to completely hone in our craft, but when we're working on something, 
um, that we're passionate about, there's always somebody at some point in our life that has made an impression on us. And so I don't know if you you guys don't have to have an answer, but if you do, that would be awesome. Um, Marvel, do you want to answer first? Um, Sure. I, I don't know if there's like someone in particular, but um, moving out to California and working actually in such a large um, bakery with um, probably 25 other females, um, there was just, they just all exuded such uh, creativity and talent and everyone was so supportive there. I think that you know, I wasn't working at Flying Cupcake was great. Um, you know, I was mostly doing just the recipes that they had already had. Um, but moving out there and working with all these people who were kind of just like, oh, you know, we lost our macaron uh, person. Why don't you go ahead and take over and do whichever you want to do? Um, and then having them just be supportive and giving me ideas. And we, I worked with a lot of really talented cake decorators and um, just, I don't know, every kind of, we did every kind of pastry out there. So Mm -hmm. I think that really helped spark um, my own creativity and um, just made me be more passionate about actually wanting to continue with baking because I'm always questioning what I really want to do when I grow up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, you know, before that, I don't know if this really applies, but I was working in an office as an administrative associate. So I think just working with those people professionally (laughs) negatively pushed me out of wanting to do anything like in an office. And I just really love um, being up on my feet and, you know, doing something um, sometimes new every day. Sometimes it's a little repetitive, but it's still way more fun than um, sitting at a desk in an office all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Jess, do you have an answer to that question? Um, yeah, so I don't have like quite as in-depth as experience as Marvel does. So I have a, I feel like a little bit shorter list and not to be corny, like, but working with Marvel has been great. Like she has just like the drive to try making anything. <laughs> and that's really great because sometimes I can get pretty negative in my head and not want to like branch out to some of these new things. So that encouragement is always really nice and working with Neil is amazing. <laughs> he has he's such an ideas man and some days it can be really challenging and hard to like keep up with it, but he he makes stuff work in ways that I just never thought like was possible and like, you know, puts out flavors out there and just like brings them to life in ways that, you know, in a latte that people wouldn't expect and will you know use that palette to help marvel and i like rein in a recipe or expand a recipe in whatever way um that we may be missing and so that's been really great for like growth and then just some previous experiences that i've had in other restaurants um i've been around some very short-tempered chefs and (laughs) it's just it's really made me not want to be that way and just uh whether that's like taking a break, like I've seen pastry chefs throw entire dough blocks in the trash and not like, not even try to save them or do something with them. And that it just upsets me so much that yeah. that, that can happen. So just trying not to be that way in the kitchen um, because it's not positive for anyone, especially yourself. So just trying to stay around the positivity and things of that nature have been really great. 
Yeah, I have kind of like a similar, I like had a manager one time that was like absolutely awful. And like, I, instead of like being just so down about like where I was, like, I would always say like, I'm so thankful to like work for this person because it shows me like the type of person, their type of manager, the type of person, um, like coworker that I never want to be like. And so I was like always just trying to be like, I don't want to do that. And so, like you said, like people are just throwing like food away and you're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. So as bad as negative as it is, like turning it for positive, I think is always great too. And I think that even with baking and making like mistakes, that's like another thing. It's like, okay, well it's, at the end of the day, like, it's just a croissant. It's just a macaron. Like, it's going to, like, we can get, like, try again or something like that, that we can just keep moving forward. Um, and then another question that I had, um, so I'm going to ask two questions, and then either one of you guys can answer either one, or if you feel like answering both of them, then go ahead. But I guess what would you say to – actually, Marvel, I'm going to ask this one to you. So what would you – you said you were an office administrator. So what would you say to somebody who is looking to change their career path from wherever they are into the restaurant industry? And then Jess, my question to you would be, is what would you say to somebody who's already in the restaurant industry, who's just kind of feeling a little burnt out, but like probably like need some encouragement? (laughs) Oh boy. To make that transition. um, Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I would, you definitely, you definitely have to have a passion for it um, because, well, it's not that you can't um, make money necessarily doing it, but it is like a very, uh, you know, there's not a ton of money in, in butter and flour. And yeah. so I think having your, having support around you, um, your family support you. My husband support me. Um, <laughs> while I while I do something that I love, um, I don't know. For me, it was very freeing um, to to go from an office job to something like this. It's just um, it's much more relaxing for me. I'm I'm able to concentrate more. I'm just it's more fast paced. So I feel like usually the day goes by a lot faster than sitting in an office. Um, I just say go for it if you if you have the passion for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would I would definitely like resonate with that that if you are listening and you are not in the restaurant world and you go in and you look at restaurant people, like no, like she said, there there's not money a lot of money in butter and flour. <laughs> so people are probably there because like if it's a small business, like they're probably there because like they love what they're doing. Yes. Is what I would say. Yes. One hundred percent. Yeah. It's definitely a labor of love, for sure. Yes. (laughs) Jess, do you want to answer both questions, or would you like to just answer the one? (laughs) uh, I think think Jess did a good job. Like, I mean, I think I didn't make as drastic of a switch, but it was one of those, Mm -hmm. you know, I just had to jump off and do it. It was one of those, the opportunity presented itself, and you know, I've made it what it is now and it's great. And I'm glad I did that. It culinary stuff has always been something on my radar. Uh, I just never thought it was something sustainable for me. And, um, and that like goes back all the way through like high school. Like I looked at culinary schools over college for a while. So, um, I just personally, I kept finding myself back at that crossroads. So it was just one of those times where I was like, I just need to eventually do it. And so, just 
just kind of just do it, you know, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) Nikki, just do it. Um, (laughs) But as far as feeling burnt out, um, it can, it definitely happens. I definitely have weeks where I feel burnt out or I couldn't look at another butter block if like I had to (laughs) kind of deal. And I think um, taking taking breaks from things like like giving yourself new challenges and um for me personally like travel really helps it helps re-inspire me Mm -hmm. going somewhere new and trying something I've never had before or even trying something I've had and just having somebody else make it for me it's so much better just in that sense alone um it can help a lot and um watching there's so many amazing cooking and baking television but just even the basics of like chef's table and great british bake-off just like sometimes watching an episode to like zone out and see somebody else do something it i'll just turn around and like want to go do that in my kitchen too so Mm -hmm. um taking whatever that mental break is that you need whether that be watching tv to get away or actually getting away or just switching up what you're working with um, is super helpful. Cause like, I know, like, as I mentioned, it was just Marvel and I for a little while, like uh, I think we both were feeling the strain of how burnt out we kind of both were on croissants and just bringing in those extra hands to give us one or two days a week where we didn't have to do that. It, I think helped both of us a lot and brought back some creativity and gave us that time to kind of be like, Oh yeah. Like, we could try this like you know Jess was working on a fig croissant today and she has I well I have personally haven't seen her do like something new on the croissant in a minute so like that was great to see (laughs) I think it's just like that extra little break away like helps um to refresh and um, reset the batteries for you yeah I think those are both like really great answers not that there would ever be a wrong answer um and I saw the figs in the fridge today and I was actually thinking <laughs> yeah, yesterday I was like figs are almost in season because I think I just had this conversation with somebody is figs are almost here and then I saw the figs and I'm like oh great I don't have to tell them they know. <laughs> so you, what did you make? You made a fig jam? Yeah, uh, yes yeah so I was at Trader Joe's and saw those figs and I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do with these yet but I'm buying them <laughs> like because um, they're only here for so long and they're like yeah. good but yeah, yeah we see them made so a yeah fresh big jam and some goat cheese nothing too crazy just pretty classic um but I just they're you know everybody I feel like tends to enjoy them and yeah they're they're special yeah they're special they're they're so they're such a beautiful fruit too (laughs) they really are they really are yeah (laughs) so one of the last questions that I have for you guys is um is there growth or is there something that you're looking towards to um, personally and professionally within CoCheck slash provider? Jess, I'll uh, let you answer first. Yeah. Um, so personally, I definitely want to keep growing as a baker. I have been reading more up on different kinds of breads and working with sourdoughs and um, seeing what that could transition into. Um, so I Personally, I just kind of want to like start playing around with sourdoughs, whether that be adding it to cookies or sourdough breads around more, or 
throwing it into a croissant or something just to add that flavor um, sounds really fun right now. So it's kind of where me personally, I think my brain is. Um, and then as far as ex- professionally within Coat Check, um, I know we're bursting at the seams just <laughs> space-wise on like what we can physically produce. We're kind of maxed out just solely on space. So we are trying to grow. Um, we have, it's, we've had feelers out for some time, I would say, um, and just looking for that right spot to open up um, some more space for the bakery. And I think, I think we're in, we have things starting to line up for that. So I think here soon we're going to be able to really hone in on our lamination and really start kind of growing and expanding in that route and be able to offer more variety and just have more stock for both coat check and provider and possibly another location as well here um in the next by the end of the year hopefully so yeah yeah exciting news i know it's like on the the DL, the down low, but (laughs) it's kind of exciting to like, kind of like say, I didn't know exactly what what you were going to say, but it's like, you're saying it, but like not saying it. I I could be airing more side on the side of caution. Um, Yeah, no, no, no. I I thought you were going to say Don't jinx anything, Jess. (laughs) I thought you were going to say less than that. So I'm I'm happy with your answer. Marvel, do you have a uh, personal growth that you would like to, that you're looking towards? No, oh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I'm probably going to, I'm just going to agree with Jess on the whole sourdough thing. I've got a sourdough starter that I've been keeping alive for the past four months and I haven't done anything with it. So, <laughs> um, I, you know, I have Tartine's bread book and I'd really like to get through it, finish reading it. Um, I have, um, one of my favorite books that I haven't gotten all the way through is just the professional pastry chef by Bo Frigberg. Um, I, I'd like to delve more into the science of baking. I tend to bake like how I cook with, uh, mm-hmm. just, just throwing stuff in, not knowing if it's going to work because I have no patience, um, <laughs> for doing things the right way. So, you know, I'd like to understand bakers percentages more and, hydration and the things that probably I would have learned maybe going to pastry school, but, um, it's, it is fun learning them on my own. So I love, you know, when we do hopefully in the future expand and, and hire on more people and have more time, I'd love to focus on, you know, sitting down and reading and and learning more about those things and expanding what we do. Um, so yeah. And then about, you know, expanding everything Jess said, I'm just going to agree with. Looking forward yeah. to looking forward to hopefully doing that. We it's something we definitely need to do if we want to keep keep up with um with what we're doing now and and offer people more options. Yeah, and coach check and provider are very popular, and it's such a and I've already said this, but like it's such like a unique spot, and the menu and the coffee, all the latte flavors are just they're so unique and they're so thoughtful, and that's what I feel like I I hope that guests and customers and even the people that like are newly hired like they see how unique of a setting that they're in while I've been like other places that the menu is very thoughtful and it's not like you said like you work like you kind of just throw things together but like I don't 
see that on the outside like coming in I'm like this is like a crazy flavor combination <laughs> and now that you say it I'm like wow they must have like thought about this for a really long time and you're like no I just had the ingredients <laughs> so, I mean sometimes sometimes yeah. it's about stuff for a while but sometimes it's just on a whim <laughs> I mean I think that you can think through something and then also you can throw things together like I feel like if you're always constantly like thinking about pastries or flavor combinations that they're always like they've always been there and then just kind of being like well I have this idea and this idea and let's put them together so you've been thinking about it it's not like you're just throwing them together yeah so oh yeah and I think we have the benefit of like some overlap too like you know Neil might be working on bringing in like some lime leaf and wanting to make a probably the best latte (laughs) slash daiquiri I've ever had in my life was based on yeah we should bring that back um (laughs) and you know, like when just bringing that in the kitchen, we were like, oh, well, we can do stuff with that, too. And like whether that be like pastry cream or a mac or whatever, um, just really utilizing that or, you know, I think the mango one kind of came from an event that we were working on. We had a lot of mangoes in house. So, you know, just uh, different things like that that overlap really helps. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that for sure. Flavor profile as well. And that's also, I think that says something about, like, a team, like, working together, too, is that's like, hey, I have this ingredient. What do you think that you can do with it, too? But cool. Well, thanks so much for letting me talk to you. I know I get to talk to you guys, like, all the time now, but thanks for (laughs) publicly talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, that's Thank you. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks so much to Jess and Marvel, not just for the interview, but for being great coworkers and teachers. It's always intimidating walking into someone else's kitchen and figuring out where everything is located and how a team already works together. It's been fun, and they've been great and gracious. Not many people get to see how poorly I crimp pie dough or that I use my fingers to count still. If you're ever in Indianapolis, find your way into Coat Check, Coffee, or Provider. I promise you that it is more than worth it. Also, make sure you're following them on all social platforms as well as Jess and Jess. And as always, if you know of a pastry chef or baker that you absolutely love, I would love to hear their story. So let me know. Thanks, guys.